Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this day. We thank you for your presence among us. Lord, we believe your promise that you are with us, that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. We thank you for this congregation. We thank you for those uh, whom you've called into this church, those uh, who uh, aren't here today. Lord, we pray your blessings upon them. And for our entire church, we just pray your protection during these times. Lord, we also pray for our community, we pray for our nation, and we pray for our world. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you would bring peace to troubled hearts. We pray that you would give wisdom to our leaders. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that in all of this, that we would bring glory and honor to you. That we would remember our neighbors, that we would remember those that are anxious during these times, that we would be those that would share the hope that we have within us. So Lord Jesus, I pray that through all of this, that we would bring glory and honor to you. I pray that our ministry would not decrease, but that our ministry would increase and that we would have opportunities to be a witness for you in this. So give us wisdom in all things. Give us discernment in all things. And open our hearts and open our minds to your word today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, you would convict us, convict us of, of our denial, of how we deny you, Uh, through a lack of obedience and a lack of trust. But then I pray that you would give us freedom and that you would liberate us in the word of the gospel, that you have restored us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ, that we are forgiven, that we are set free, and that we can be free now to obey you, to trust you, and to go to our neighbors. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're in the middle of a sermon series, Eyes on Jesus. It's my prayer that we as a congregation would fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who went to the cross for us, who rose again for us. It's my prayer that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, and today the sermon is entitled, Denying Eyes. Today we read the account of Peter's denial of Jesus. So we go to Mark chapter 14, beginning with the 26th verse. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same, going down to verse 66. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. 
But he denied it, saying, I neither nor know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter broke down and wept. Do we deny Jesus? Are we those like Peter who deny Jesus also? We do. We deny Jesus by our lack of obedience and by our lack of trust. But here's the good news. Jesus remains faithful. He remains faithful to you. He remains faithful to forgive and to liberate us. So denying eyes are a problem. Denying eyes are a problem. First, we deny Jesus when we fail to obey him. God has given us commandments. In his word, we read the commandments of God. And when God gives a commandment, we are called to obey. We are called to obey. Denying eyes are a problem. So we deny Jesus when we fail to obey him. Second, we, we deny Jesus when we fail to trust in his promises. God has given us many promises in his word. Open the Bible and you'll read so many good gospel promises to us. And we are, we are called to trust in his promises. Do you know his commands? Do you know his promises? Do you obey? Do you trust? We deny Jesus by our lack of obedience and by our lack of trust. So it seems to me, in my mind, that, that denying, denying eyes are common to all of us. Each and every one of us, we fail to obey and we fail to trust. Denying eyes, it seems to me, is, is our condition as sinners. Peter denied Jesus. Sure, Peter made a promise. He made a promise to Jesus, but he failed to keep his promise. Peter says, if I must die with you, if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. At the Last Supper, Peter was confident in his commitment to Jesus. But when things got real, after Jesus had been taken into custody, when Peter realized that his neck was on the line, he denied that he ever knew Jesus. 
It only took hours for Jesus or for Peter to go from saying, if I must die with you, I will not deny you, to saying to a servant girl, I don't know this man. And then the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered. Peter remembered Jesus' words. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me. How did Peter react when he remembered Jesus' words? Verse 72 says, Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And then Mark records this, and Peter broke down and wept. He wept. You've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. We've made, we've made promises to Jesus, and we failed to keep those promises. I call it the Bible camp syndrome. The speaker gets the camp attendees all emotional, and then everyone makes commitments. They make these commitments to Jesus. Jesus, I'm never going to smoke again. I'm never going to chew again. And I'll never go with the girls who do again. And the same day camp ends, we're, we're back to our old ways. Smoking, chewing, and going with the girls that do. How many times have you made a promise to God and then failed to keep it? How many times have you done that? I'm just like Peter. I know that I fail to trust and obey. And so often that failure, that sin, has, has brought sorrow and shame to my heart. It's that sense of guilt. Lord, I have failed you. I don't need to convince anyone about guilt or sorrow over sin. Almost everyone knows what sorrow over sin is about. If you never experienced guilt or remorse, did you know that the psychotherapist gives you a diagnosis? You're called a sociopath. Sociopaths show no guilt or remorse for their behavior. Normal people are familiar with the feelings of guilt and remorse. And it's not all bad to feel that way. It's actually a sign that you're normal if you feel guilt and remorse. After Peter denied Jesus, he broke down and he wept. He wept. Sorrow over sin was deeply felt within his being. We've all been there. We denied Jesus when we fail to obey and trust. When our eyes are open to our failure, when our eyes are finally open to our lack of obedience and trust, we too feel guilty, we feel remorse, and we're ashamed for having failed Jesus. And then the devil gets involved. The devil will turn this, this guilt and, and the shame into something very dangerous. You see, the devil will use your guilt to convince you that you cannot be forgiven. 
that for you forgiveness is impossible, that God doesn't love you, that you've gone too far for his grace to restore you. The devil will also use your guilt to cause you to stay away, to stay away from the body of believers, to stay away from church. So you're, you're, you're no good. You, you, you don't belong there anymore. Because the devil knows that his church is the very source of your freedom from guilt because that's where the gospel is proclaimed. That's where freedom is found, is by the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that the church has been built for those, those who are honest about their sin? The church isn't for those who, who think that they've mastered holiness. If anyone in this church today believes that they have mastered holiness, they're living a delusion. The church is built to proclaim the message of the gospel to sinners, which liberates sinners from guilt and shame so that they are set free to obey and to trust. So there is good news for guilty people. There is good news. Jesus is gracious and merciful to restore us through the power of his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy set us free. How does this happen? It happens through the gift of repentance. Through the gift of repentance. Repentance consists of two things. First of all, repentance consists of sorrow over sin. Peter felt that sorrow. But repentance also consists of faith in Jesus, trusting Jesus, who is gracious and merciful to forgive our sins and to liberate us from the guilt of sin by the hearing of the good news of the gospel. So repentance consists of sorrow over sin. We've all experienced it. And faith, trusting in Jesus, believing in him, knowing that he is the one who liberates us from guilt. Today I tell the story of a boy overcome by guilt. A boy overcome by guilt. This boy had broken the neighbor's car window by throwing stones in the alley behind his home. His sister saw the whole thing. She saw what happened. She decided it would be to her advantage to capitalize on the unfortunate situation. So as the boy sat in the dust of the alley with tears in his eyes, his sister walked up and said, if you don't do the dishes for me tonight, I'm gonna tell daddy what you did. Have you been there? That evening at, the di at dinner time, the boy sat at the table barely able to eat two bites when his sister leaned over and reminded him of her threat again. If you don't do the dishes tonight, I'm going to tell daddy what you did. That night, the boy that broke the car window did the dishes. The next night, he did them again. All he could hear in his head was his sister's threat. If you don't do the dishes for me tonight, I'm going to tell daddy what you did. 
But on the third evening, something had changed. The, do- the, the boy's disposition had changed. He was cheerful. He ate all of his dinner that night, and he went back for seconds. This boy was back to his old happy self again. But then his sister leaned over and whispered into his ear and threatened him again. If you don't do the dishes for me tonight, I'm going to tell daddy what you did. That boy looked his sister square in the eyes and he said, it's your turn to do the dishes tonight. His sister's eyes got big and before she could say it again, he said to his sisters, I told daddy everything. I told daddy everything. Now I am free. I am free. I told daddy everything. I told him what I did. I told him what happened. And now I'm free. And now I'm free. Peter was set free too. He knew that Jesus knew what he had done. He was sorrowful over denying Jesus. But Jesus was faithful to to bestow upon Peter grace and mercy. And Peter took that grace. And he took that mercy that was given to him. And he lived his life in freedom. He lived his life in freedom, following Jesus in obedience and in trust. Only after a person is set free by Jesus' gift of forgiveness does it become possible to joyfully and freely obey and trust Jesus. The threats of the devil are silenced by the gospel. The devil will whisper into your ear. But when you hear the word of the gospel, you are free. You are free to follow Jesus in obedience, to trust him and to believe him. We are liberated by Jesus to be transformed and to go as disciples of Jesus. This is one of the main reasons why we gather. We gather to hear this word of forgiveness. To be transformed by Jesus. And when we hear the message of the gospel, we're free to obey and trust, to go in joy and in freedom to this world as his disciples. You are set free from guilt. You are set free. God no longer declares you guilty. He no longer declares you guilty of your failure to trust him, to obey him. He says, I forgive you. I forgive you. And because you are forgiven, you are set free. Whatever happened to Peter? Well, on the birthday of the church, the very first day of the Christian church, the day of Pentecost, Jesus, who had been set free from his guilt of denying, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter actually was given the privilege of preaching the very first sermon of the whole church. He stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached the first sermon. 
And Peter said this, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise, this promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So Peter is given this great privilege of leading the church in mission, bringing the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel. People were liberated, and people were set free. And it all came from the lips of a man who had denied Jesus Christ. Do we deny Jesus by our lack of trust and obedience? You better believe it. But never forget, Jesus never denies those who repent. He never denies you. You have sorrow over sin. Yeah, but trust in the Lord. And he will not deny you. Believe his promises. Forgiveness and salvation are for you today. They are yours. And never forget that because you are forgiven by him, you are set free. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for setting us free. Lord, we do confess that we have denied you in so many different ways. But Lord, we don't live in the guilt and the shame of that. We live in, in the freedom of what you have given to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And for this, we give you thanks and praise. We sing your praises. We lift our voices and worship before you. Lord, you are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.